Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. Merry Christmas to all of those from the Christian faith. On today's show, we're looking at real estate in China to try and understand some of the factors that have molded the industry into what it's become today. Private ownership of property in China began in the late 1970s, and it accelerated through the 1980s and 1990s. At the same time, there was mass migration from the farms in rural areas to the cities to work in factories. In North America and Europe, when you buy a condo apartment, you might give the developer a small deposit to show your commitment to purchase the unit when completed. But in China, buyers typically give a 40% down payment and secure a loan for 60% of the purchase price. The developer then gets both the down payment and the loan proceeds pre-construction, and the owner starts making payments to service the loan immediately, even though they might not even take possession of their home for another two to three years, and as we've seen recently, in some cases longer. As a real estate developer, I can tell you I would love it if we didn't have to seek financing. The development process would truly become a no-lose proposition if the buyers are paying for everything up front. Now, it's no secret that China has a huge population. In Chinese culture, boys are valued more highly than girls. The net result is that during the one-child policy years, many efforts were made by couples to skew their chances heavily towards giving birth to boys instead of girls. I've heard rumors of pregnancies being aborted if the couple knew they were having a girl. The net result is that today there are 35 million more men in the Chinese population than women. These men are competing for a shortage of women when it comes time to get married. The families of these scarce young women establish criteria for men who come as suitors seeking to date their daughters. If they don't own a home, they're not considered marriage material. So many families have therefore pre-purchased condominiums for their teenage sons, years before they're going to be needed, just so these sons would have a home by the time they're of marrying age. And this, too, has contributed to demand for housing that's far beyond the rate of household formation as dictated by natural demographics. In the 1970s, Chinese housing contributed about 7 square meters, or 76 square feet per person. Today, Chinese housing accounts for 35 square meters, or about 390 square feet, which is in line with global averages. In some major cities like Shanghai and Beijing, housing prices have risen to the point where they now represent 70% of monthly household income, and that's clearly unaffordable. We've also seen prices skyrocket in places like Shenzhen and other places in Guangzhou. Now, as I previously described, the developers are basically collecting the funds needed to complete a project during the pre-sale process. They don't need to go out and borrow funds, but yet many of them have. They've borrowed billions upon billions of dollars in order to build a pipeline of construction. So if developers do borrow, it should theoretically to be to buy land and to pay for other pre-construction expenses, but that's not actually how it's played out. Funds that are put in by buyers are supposed to go into an escrow account, and in some cases, those funds have been tapped for other purposes. Some recent estimates that I've seen put the number of vacant homes in China somewhere between 60 and 80 million homes. Population outflow from the rural areas has led to many rural villages being emptied out, with many houses that are only occupied for a few days during the year during Chinese New Year. In some cases, the parents might still be living in the villages, but the younger generation went to work in the factories in the cities. Over the last 10 years, the population has continued to shift from rural areas to cities, with the urban population growing by 200 million and the rural population shrinking by 146 million. So clearly, there's housing available stranded in areas where people don't want to live. Just like in the U.S., where some cities are shrinking, I'm thinking of places like Detroit, which has lost more than 50% of its population since its peak in the 1970s, many small Chinese cities are getting hollowed out. 
If you layer on top of that the amount of speculative building that's occurred, there are millions of homes that remain unsold. Some estimates put that number at about 7 billion square feet, which is about 7.2 million homes if each home averages 900 square feet. That's over and above the existing vacant homes. That does not include the projects that have been purchased but not yet completed. That square footage doesn't even count yet. The central government could clearly see the sectors becoming overheated, so they put restrictions on lending to developers. That made it difficult for some developers to complete projects because they lost the ability to get additional financing. Two of China's largest developers have in fact defaulted. Evergrande defaulted on its debt last year and they owe more than 340 billion US dollars. That's almost the equivalent of 2% of China's GDP. Country Garden was the second major default this year. Country Garden has a total of 190 billion US dollars in debt, of which 11 billion was due in the fourth quarter, and that's what precipitated the default. Combine these two developers owe 530 billion. That's essentially half a trillion US dollars just in the hands of two companies. To put that in perspective, Evergrande's debt is more than all of Russia's national debt. China's population peaked in 2020 and it's on a demographic decline. There's no path to absorbing this excess inventory of houses in the foreseeable future. Just like we've seen in Japan, whose population peaked in 2008, we've seen the number of vacant homes in Japan grow steadily over the years and that's now estimated at 11 million empty homes. One of the consequences of this glut of housing in China is that many of the manufacturers who supplied the Chinese construction industry now have a surplus of capacity. Many of their products are extremely high quality and increasingly these products can become available in North America at very competitive prices. For example, we are tapping actively into the supply of a chain of closet systems and kitchen cabinets that are much higher quality than the products we routinely find in North America at significant savings compared with domestic suppliers. As you think about that, have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.